BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I've just been in the gym, you know, all summer. Non-stop, right? summer. I mean, we have a very young team, though, so I'm not the only one. And, um, you know, it's kind of given us a jump start since everybody's pretty much been in here for the most part. Yeah, is it true that Luke Walton had to tell you guys to, to back up a little bit, to ease off the gas pedal as far as working out? He kicked you guys out of the gym a couple times? That happened a few times. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where we are back, and back in a huge way, as in how amazing do Larry Nance's shoulders and back look, kind of back. So yeah, the new Wish Era Lakers season has begun, Hoodie Mellows in OKC, D-Wade is now a free agent, and Ozzy, 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 Bogey Bogue is a Laker. Yeah! All right, I am joined today by my co-hosts Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander, And Tommy, let's start with you. How are you feeling getting back in the saddle here to start the new season? Five days till preseason basketball, son? Son, um, it feels good to be back in the saddle. Uh, (laughs) That's that's all. (laughs) I have nothing else. (laughs) How's that saddle feel, man? Yeah, the saddle feels great. It's uh, I'm really excited. I'm really glad about this. I mean, since it's such a young team, on the one hand, I kind of wish it was a little bit of a longer. Uh, training camp this year, uh, but 
I'm very excited that whatever, whatever, give them four days and I just want to see that first preseason game this Saturday. I'm really excited for that. So looking forward to seeing what happens. Alan, what about you? It's been like, I think a week or so and a half since we last talked and you were kind of antsy already, but now that it's finally here, how does it feel? Yeah, I, I agree with Tommy. The saddle uh, feels really good on my butt and um, just can't wait for things to get going. Uh, really excited for all the coverage of training camp every single day this week. I will be DVRing Spectrum Sportsnet every night at like whatever it is, 7 p.m. Just want to hear all the interviews and the stories and see if uh, tiny dog Brandon Ingram's got to do some karaoke again. Nice. All right, so we have a lot of catching up to do. Um, first, we're going to get into some crazy NBA news and talk today and also talk about how that may affect the Lakers this year and most especially summer 2018. And then obviously we're just going to riff about all of Lakers Media Day and what's been happening in the lead up to this training camp week. But first, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many more fake accounts Kevin Durant will create on Twitter and Instagram to try and defend himself and his decisions. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, speaking of rating and reviews, we are now at 192 reviews, believe it or not, and it would be absolutely big baller brand if we could get that review number to 200 by the time the actual regular season starts. So please help us out with that, and thanks to the 10 or so people who added on to the reviews in the last two weeks or so. Also, if you are so inclined, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and consider donating even just a dollar a month to get some exclusive content and perks throughout the year. Uh, speaking of rating interviews, tonight we are going to have, well, soon-to-be Laker once again, Paul George, read the review. He has a new teammate, and our impressionist extraordinaire, Tommy Alexander, will read that review. Paul George, take it away. This review is entitled Lakers by I Bite Girls. <laughs> A plus 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 plus. Hey, how many pluses were that? Did you count it, Paul George? I did not count them now. <laughs> I was just I zoomed in all the way <laughs> and I tried to go one by one as just I was don't saying. Don't lose it. track of them. Really <laughs> yeah, but I didn't actually pay attention. We're accurate here. Well, that's okay because I thought you did an amazing job reading that review as Paul George. And as usual, Tommy, what went into your channeling of soon to be Laker once again, Paul George? Um, I just tried to imagine a guy who is currently teammates with Hoodie Mello and is not going to be teammates with Hoodie Mello as of July 1st, 2018, because he is going to sign with the Lakers. Nice. Not enough balls to go around there, right? Yeah. So I just counted it. <laughs> correct. <laughs> that is correct. There there are 11 pluses in that A++++++++. And I'm assuming that is how many championships the Lakers will win once Paul George signs with the Lakers summer 2018. So Damn. there we go. Yes, son. Yes, son. Thank you, I bite girls. I'm not even going to read into what that means. I guess it's little. <laughs> I, I don't know. I hope he doesn't really actually do that. But uh, yeah. So yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, 
So yeah, Lakers Media Day was today. Lots of action in the new training facility, which I already mentioned I was able to go to. Um, before we get to the Lakers Media Day stuff, though, um, let's quickly talk about the big NBA news that just happened the last you know, week. If if this offseason wasn't crazy enough, right? We were already calling it one of the most craziest offseasons in the last few years, and down to the bitter end, it's, it's shaping up that way. So obviously, Carmelo Anthony got traded over this weekend to the OKC Thunder for... Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a future second rounder. So now OKC has a big three of their own. Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo, Anthony. Now, I guess my question to you guys is, one, does this make OKC Thunder a big threat now in the West or just in the NBA in general to the Warriors or Cavs? How good do you think they're going to be? And then two, obviously, what are the implications of this for Paul George? Does this make him more likely to stay in OKC or less likely? Um, let's start with the first question. How good do we think the Thunder are going to be now? Um, Alan, I'll start with you. Well, I think it's a really interesting situation uh, just to be monitoring through the like first couple months of the season. They're definitely, I predict, they're going to be a lot of bumps in the road. Um, I, I feel like the chemistry is going to be weird and that's not indicative of the fact that like these guys cannot play with each other it's just none of them have ever really been used to playing with someone who's on their level well except Russell Westbrook and Durant of course but like those guys just essentially isolated anytime either one of them had the ball but uh no you got three guys now who have very high usage rates so um, I think at first it is going to be a struggle and people are going to overreact and think, oh, it's not going to work and yada yada. And I suppose as Laker fans, like that's a good thing. And we want that to continue for as long as possible. Um, I, I don't really know how good of a coach NBA coach Billy Donovan is like, can he really get these three guys to come together and figure it out? Um, I think eventually like they'll they'll be a fully functioning team that is very competitive in the West um, as to whether they can actually challenge the Warriors. I'm, I'm going to say no. Um, if they're going to be better than Houston or better than the Spurs, um, I, I predict like a top four finish, um, maybe third or fourth at best in the West, but it's going to take some time. Uh, so yeah, that that's what I think in terms of how they're going to do. And then are we answering whether it hurts his chances right now or we're going to get to that later? Uh, we'll get to that. So let's let's switch to Tommy. Tommy, do you think that the OKC Thunder are going to be a good team? And how do you think that chemistry is going to shake out? Yeah, I think, uh, I think they're going to be fourth. I think they're going to be fourth place in the West. If you look at the West, Golden State's going to be number one again. The Spurs are always going to be in the top two um, just because they're the Spurs. So it's really comes down to who improved more between Houston and OKC because the Clippers clearly got worse by losing Chris Paul. So they're going to fall out of the top four. So, and like Utah lost Gordon Hayward. So they're going to fall out of the top five. Like they might not even make the playoffs, you know? So for that fourth spot, it really comes down to OKC and I think OKC is worse than the Rockets because I don't think their depth is as good. I actually think, I, I just don't see any way OKC could get worse because they got these two guys and they really didn't give up anyone that like helped them a lot last year. You know what I mean? Like Victor Oladipo is okay. He's very replaceable. And you replaced him with Paul George, who is like infinitely better. You know what I mean? It's if Victor Oladipo Victor Oladipo put up half the output that Paul George put up, OKC only won eight games less than the Rockets last year. 
Like, OKC could have easily had a better record than the Rockets last year if they had Paul George over Oladipo. And then on top of that, you throw in Melo, who I know, like, especially even on on our show, we talk a lot about Melo and how he's, like, fallen off and we want nothing to do with him. But for that roster, he makes a lot of sense, and I think he fits really well. He could be a stretch four, open things up for Westbrook, or, I mean, they could even play him at the three. I don't know what position they're intending him to play at, but if he does play stretch four, they have Steven Adams, who's, like, a really good interior defender who can, like, you know, make up for a lot of Mello's mistakes on that end. And they have a guy on the other end now who can stretch the floor, and all they had to give up was Ennis Kanter, who was a bench player anyway, and, you know, like McDermott, who has not really done much so far, and like a pick. So I just, OKC is going to be much better, and I would say they're clearly better than last year's Rockets, but the issue is the Rockets got Chris Paul, so, and I think the Rockets just have better depth. They they signed P.J. Tucker. I think they're probably a little bit better coach than OKC. Um... So I think OKC is going to be good. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they will at least make it to the second round of the playoffs. I just don't see any way that they beat the Warriors because it's just going to be too much one-on-one play. Like, they will be able to put up points, and they could be exciting, but it's too much one-on... And, like, during that's why during the season, that I think they're going to have and maybe even an unexpectedly good season, like even more wins than people give them credit for, but... I just don't see how that holds up in the playoffs when you're playing against a team like the Warriors who has who have such great like ball movement and you know uh teamwork. So they're going to be a good team but not uh, not great. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think the context of the situation with this being essentially like a one-year experiment for all these guys, you know, Westbrook hasn't signed his extension. Carmelo right. Anthony has an early termination option, which I think OKC actually wants him to not take or to take so that he's a free agent. And then obviously Paul George is a free agent as well. I think if this was like a three-year experiment, then maybe you could say, yeah, eventually they'll work things out and become a contending team. But I, I just think the nature of it being, all right, guys, you guys got one year, six months to to figure this all out, I think it might be feeling too rushed and too forced for me to really come together enough for them to be a truly contending team. So I, I agree with you guys. I think they're going to be good. They might be, like Tommy said, third or fourth in the West good, but I don't even think they can contend with... Um, well, actually, I would... I, I don't think they can contend with Cleveland, but then again, Cleveland and Boston do have some chemistry issues to shake out as well. Um, but I just think the nature of the situation with it coming together like literally all in the last second in a mishmash form with none of these guys' futures secured, I think that context is a little bit weird. You know, like one one of them is, all of them actually have one foot out the door, it seems like. And there was that office, yeah. someone, someone, I think Bleacher Report, or like not Bleacher Report, actually, like a parody Bleacher Report Twitter account posted that, you know, gif of the office where, um, Michael Scott, Andy, and Dwight all have the guns pointed at each other, and they just keep pointing the guns at. <laughs> and, and the the caption was literally like, "This is Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook all seeing who's going to jet to the Lakers first. So I mean, just right. that feeling alone, you know, is a weird setup where these guys are not sold on OKC. Everybody's looking to see whether they actually want to stay this season. So um, in that sense, I think it'll kind of mess up the chemistry a little bit, but I'm, I'm also a huge proponent of sometimes talent just wins out, you know, and Carmelo Anthony with as much crap as we've given him and the media has given him has shown in team USA, when he's surrounded by really good players, he can buy into that. You know, he, his best basketball has been played as a uh, complimentary player, 
on Team USA just shooting a bunch of threes and hitting them, you know? Um, now, right. with in the NBA, it's a different thing, and all these guys are very high-usage players, especially Westbrook. Westbrook has been in a situation like this before with Kevin Durant and James Harden, but I think this late in all of their careers, it's a different scenario. And so while I think they're going to you know, win their customary 50 to 57-plus games in their sleep, I think for a lot of these guys, especially Paul George, how they win is a, should be taken into account. And so I guess that segues us into... Does this really say anything about whether Paul George is going to stay in OKC? Um, does the fact that he was recruiting Carmelo Anthony really hard in this process say anything about him potentially wanting to, yeah, just stay on for the next year? Or is it really too early to tell? Quickly for me, I think it's just natural that Paul George would, of course, want to make the team that he's on for this year the best he can as possible. So, of course, he's going to recruit Carmelo Anthony. And actually, I think that this actually helps his plan if he wants to eventually leave the Lakers because I think if he left the Lakers next year without a Carmelo Anthony it would I feel like he would feel worse you know what I mean because only he'd be leaving Russell Westbrook and then there'd be nobody else on that team but I think the presence of Melo and knowing that he'll probably opt into his player option he can be like oh don't worry you still got Melo right there with you you guys can still contend and I'm gonna go back to my hometown the Lakers I don't know how much that plays into it but I actually think it might help ease his transition instead of feeling so bad that he's gonna leave Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook may not even feel as betrayed because oh Melo's here and let's do this you know what I mean um but yeah Alan what do you think about does this say anything does this move the dial at all with regards to Paul George staying or leaving OKC yeah, that I mean, that's an interesting angle that you take for sure. And I don't know if you guys heard Carmelo Anthony today, but he was saying uh, he really wants Dwayne Wade to come over there too because uh, Oklahoma City is apparently where Dwayne Wade truly belongs. Um, <laughs> so if that's the case, that'll bolster it even more. Paul George really doesn't have anything to feel badly about. Um, as to whether this acquisition actually impacts anything for Paul George, I, I don't think so. Um I think you made a really good point that, of course, he wants the team to be as good as it could possibly be right now because that's where he's playing, you know. Um, there is kind of the one do- one foot in the door, one out of it. But at the same time, like, he's there right now and he's going to want to win. Um, but, yeah, I just – and I guess it's the narrative that's been pushed out there for, like, what feels like three years now. Like, Paul George is going to be a Laker. I mean, he read the review for our podcast today. So I I just don't see Carmelo Anthony being the guy that sways him to stay in Oklahoma City. Um, I guess you could say it's a little too early to tell. But, yeah, that's just my gut gut reaction. Tommy, let's say the OKC Thunder win their customary 57-plus games just because they have a good roster and they have, let's say they even make the Western Conference Finals but, you know, lose in a bad fashion. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Paul George and this Carmelo Anthony acquisition? I think it, um, I don't think it increases the chance that he stays there. I mean, it's, Paul George is tricky and to me it's a little bit even trickier than LeBron, uh, not to go to, off too much of a ta- on a tangent, but we've talked previously on the show about how LeBron, a lot of his motivations are theoretically non-basketball related. Um, and with Paul George, I think I think Paul George wants to be in LA, but I think he's much more going to make his decision based on basketball than LeBron would. So I think if, yeah, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals somehow and like 
they upset Houston or the Spurs or Golden. I guess they would have to play. Let's say they end up like as the number three team and they play the Spurs and upset the Spurs in the second round. And then they end up losing to the Warriors in like a tough series in the Western Conference Finals. Like, okay, yes, in that circumstance, I would definitely say like, okay, yeah, this impacted his decision if he ends up not coming here. But based on where things stand now, I just think that it's just another like, let's just put together the best team we can for a year. And it kind of fits into Sam Presti's overall scheme of what he's done here. It's like... Westbrook has not committed to staying there long-term, although the Supermax is on the table for him, and he could easily get hurt this season. And despite all that, he's not signing, you know, especially the way this whole play is like, he can get hurt and miss half the year. You know what I mean? It's happened before for him. So for for that to be the case and for him still not to sign his extension, and then like, it all sort of lines up, right? Like, one of these guys is going to leave or like maybe they'll talk to each other and make a mutual decision or like maybe they'll just kind of each go off on their own in their own direction but Sam Presti has built this team to be prepared for both scenarios if everybody wants to stay they they have the ability to do that if everybody wants to leave he traded horrible contracts to get these guys so if if uh Westbrook leaves, then Paul George is going to leave, but he, he got rid of Victor Oladipo's contract. If he, if uh, those two guys or one of those two guys leaves, Melo is probably going to leave, but he got rid of Ennis Cantor's contract, so Melo would exercise his early termination. So either they all stay and Presti ends up looking like a genius, or they all leave and he still kind of looks like a genius because now he can literally rebuild from scratch with like... You know, they didn't really have to give up anything, and they have all this, like, empty cap space and no horrible contracts to deal with. So, to me, the trade was more about that being an option and, like, that still fitting in with Presti's grand plan. And and I, I just don't think – like, yeah, it's like you said. I don't know how much of it was Paul George actually calling Carmelo and saying, like, hey – because this wasn't a free agency pitch, you know what I mean? Like – Mello and Westbrook are there. Or sorry, Paul George and Westbrook are there. Like, Mello can see that. So I don't know how much of it was Paul George calling him and convincing him to waive the no-trade clause or how much of it was just them being there. Um, and, you know, obviously Mello has very, like, little say. Like, if Houston put up a better offer, Mello would have been fine going to Houston. You know, he would have waived his, waived his no-trade clause as well for them. So I don't... I think like it's going to be a easy me- uh, media narrative or like an easy even player narrative to say like nobody was there. So for someone to say like Paul George played a role in this and he recruited like it just makes Paul George seem more committed to the organization. And for him, that just makes him look better, right? Because he doesn't want to play this whole year where, with everybody thinking he's going to leave. And he's already made comments to the effect of like, we're just going to see how the season goes. And I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder player and I want to win a championship. But that's what everybody has to say, and he's just being politically correct. So I don't think that the trade really makes that big of a difference. Yeah, I agree. On top of that, I think just the more obvious narrative of Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and only one ball being there. I mean, we've talked about like the median scenario and even like the high case scenario where, oh, everything works out, but I could see this blowing up too, you know, just in the natural sense yeah. of Paul George is going to be like, whoa, I did not come here. I came here to be, I guess, you know, 1A or 1B to Russell Westbrook, but now Carmelo Anthony's here and he is still acting like Carmelo Anthony has been acting in with the Knicks. And if none of these players concede, namely Carmelo Anthony, I just see Paul George being sick of this really, you know, 
like at the end of this, at the end of the road here. I mean, I, I already saw a scenario where he was sick of Russell Westbrook, you know, taking up too much of the usage and you just add Carmelo Anthony there and, you know, Carmelo Anthony has already said, I hate playing power forward. Paul George has, say, has said, I hate playing power forward. I mean, w- these guys are going to have to sacrifice and, and maybe they'll, they'll, they'll work things out, but also maybe they won't. And by the end of this year, Paul George is going to be sick and say, you know, I think I'll go over to LA, take my chances. And honestly, he might not have to take his chances because like he said before, the situation could change the moment one star says yes to LA and I'll jump ship with them, you know? All it takes is LeBron James going there and Paul George's like, all right, see you guys. Thanks. It's been fun. You know, so at the end of the day, I think OKC will be good. But, you know, it, it, it just could end, end up as a dumpster fire with all these guys taking a bunch of shots and still playing ISO ball the way they have been and no one conceding because they know I'm yeah. only here for a year. So, And it's <laughs> it's, it's oh, go ahead, Alan. Thanks. It was pretty funny. Uh, if you guys saw Mello's presser today, he was some, some reporter asked him, um, you know, obviously you're going to have to take a different role this year with the team. If you have to play the four or even come off the bench, how would you feel about that? <laughs> and Mello was like, off the bench? He's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Do you know something that I don't know? Like, what is? And then he like jokingly was like, hey guys, guess what? I'm coming off the bench this year. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty darn sure he's not gonna come off the bench. But it it did remind me of like when every reporter was asking Kobe and Dwight, whose team is it? And Kobe was he just gave like his death stare. Like, come on, you you got to be kidding me, right? So um. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny to hear that. But like you said uh, about how Melo hates playing the four, today he kind of like, um, I guess, made a different like statement on that. He was saying, well, I'm definitely not a power forward, but these days, like, what is a power forward anyway? It's it's just a four. It's another forward out there that has a different role. So he, he sounds like he's like more open to it, but... I mean, you alluded to it with with him and Paul George out there. They have relatively similar style of play. So uh, at the bare minimum, I think it's going to be extremely fascinating to watch, especially er- early in the season. Sure, especially if they let uh, Melo wear that hoodie. Anyway, just go Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see how the team pans out. Um, because we've never... It's funny because I, like, I want to say Russell Westbrook is is a little bit too much of an ISO, like he, and low IQ player. I want to say Carmelo kind of fits in that, in that too. But between the two of them, I think it's funny because most people are thinking Melo is going to be the one who's going to ruin this. I actually think Westbrook of all the three guys could be the one to ruin this. Let's not forget Westbrook played with Kevin Durant. Okay. Like the MVP, like (laughs) one of the most efficient players in the NBA. And he was still shooting 40%, like taking horrible, like low basketball IQ shots. Like, Granted, it was just them two, but Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are both worse than Kevin Durant. Um, so I think Westbrook could be the one to kind of make this situation not work. I'm actually l- looking at their depth chart now, and you can see... I think Melo is going to end up playing the four, and whatever he wants to call it, that's fine. Because I think they're going to start Andre Roberson for defense, and Steven Adams is obviously their center. And there's only one ball, so like 90% of the shots are going to come from the other three possession, positions anyway. So I think they're going to, I think they're, there's no way they start Paul George at the two and Melo at the three and like Patrick Patterson at the four. I just don't see that happening. But when it comes to how they all fit together, like I could see Melo totally falling into his 
hoodie mellow, like USA mellow, uh, just standing on in the corner shooting threes and, you know, being like aggressive in that way and just catching and shooting. And I, I could see also see Westbrook being old Russell Westbrook from like last year, but even more so the year before with Kevin Durant. And I actually see the odd guy out here being Paul George because I feel like he's more of a cerebral player who's not like, (laughs) yeah, who's not going to really like assert himself. Like Paul George is not going to take a 20 low percentage, like out of, you know, the offensive scheme type of shots a game. Whereas I feel like Mello will just jack it up. You know what I mean? He's right. That's what, that's who he is. So if he's hitting his shots, great. Um, but it's one of these guys, you know, in every big three like this that we've ever seen, somebody makes a sacrifice. And between these three, I think Paul George is going to end up being that guy. But so he's the Chris Bosch and he's the Kevin Love (laughs) of the group. Exactly. But it's going to be like stupid in a way because he's probably the best of these three players. So, right, right, right. Like, usually when that happens, all around game. Yeah. Usually when this happens, it's like the guy who is not as good. Yeah, as the other two kind of takes a step back and it ends up working out a little bit. So in this case, I don't know, maybe Westbrook just comes out and averages 19 assists a game this year. Who knows? Like maybe he proves us all wrong, but if he continues to take all these shots and shoots 40% from the field while he has Carmelo and Paul George on his team, it's not going to go well. Well, even if Westbrook gets 19 assists, that means the ball was in his hands 90% of the time, and Melo's like, exactly. yo, give me That's the ball. Yeah, unless, <laughs> unless he becomes Lonzo Ball, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Melo, like, the There's large part Lonzo of... Lonzo Ball. <laughs> true, true. You're right. How, how dare I say such a thing? And, you know, Melo, a large part of his game, too, is posting up, and he's almost going to completely have to eliminate that part of his game to, like, help the spacing out. You know what I mean? Especially if he is a power forward. So that will definitely be interesting to... to track and follow this year uh with that said let's move on really quickly to d wade who could be an okc thunder soon he is now a free agent he reached a buyout with the chicago bulls this weekend um the lakers have apparently reached out to him even though we got andrew bogut andrew bogut's on a partially guaranteed deal but i guess they still technically have that one extra roster slot open so i guess that's why they're still reaching out to Dwayne wade and at the end of the day even if we had all 15 roster slots filled we could still cut anyone to sign d wade if he really wanted to come uh now with that said d wade has cleveland the thunder and miami at the top of his list do do the lakers have any shot here do we want the lakers to have a shot um Andrew Bogut signing with the Lakers was was a good thing, I guess, in terms of perception of the Lakers because he chose us over other teams like Miami and said, oh, I like the vibe over there and I like what they're doing. So could that translate to Dwayne Wade as well? Alan, what do you think? Uh, I don't see it happening. Um, I think you just got to reach out for the sake of reaching out and put some feelers out there and, um, again, like see what other players are thinking of our organization. What's the perception, especially from a guy like Dwayne Wade. Um, so it's good to get that practice, so to speak. Uh, as far as the chances of him coming here, I think they're slim. Um, as far as where I think he'll go, I mean, I don't, in a way I could see Miami, but it's like, they're kind of going nowhere fast too, but it is the East. Um, Cleveland would be really interesting if it's like Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Isaiah, Grant Isaiah Thomas isn't going to be around for a while, but, uh, the Thunder, I don't, I don't know about that either. I think that would just clutter it up even more, which would be a lot more fun for all of us to watch <laughs> as fans. So I guess I don't really have a good answer for this. Maybe Cleveland has the best shot. Um, uh, but I give us out of all those teams, uh, I think we have the, uh, lowest percentage of acquiring him yeah tommy what about you 
I think we have the lowest percentage of acquiring him as well, but it's, I mean, maybe this is my uh, Laker homerism showing, but I actually think it's going to be because we are not going to pursue him as aggressively because we have, we can actually offer the most of all those teams. And yeah, in some cases it comes down to like one and a half million dollars, but for a guy who just gave up $8 million and is like in the twilight years of his career, one and a half million dollars is like not, you know, pennies, you know what I mean? It's a lot of money. And it could make a significant impact in someone's life uh, when it comes to, like, one year of work. So we can offer more than anybody else. He can come off the bench, you know, uh, for us if he wants. I, he, we would probably make him a starter if he wanted to be a starter. Like, I, But I just don't think it really makes sense for either side. Um we're a rebuilding team. Uh, he probably wants to not be stuck in a horrible situation where they've, we've, you know, he's on a team that's won 20 games in in uh, March, you know. So I can't, I can't really see it. I, I, I can see why they reached out, and I think it's mostly because we don't know what kind of team we're going to have next year. So I think it's important to express interest in good players and people remember that kind of stuff. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like you'll hear all the time when these free agents get signed, like. Oh yeah, so and so team. They called me the first day of free agency, and they had also called me in the past, but it didn't work out. You know, like they remember stuff like that. So I think it's good to reach out, and I think that's why we probably did. But I just don't see how he fits on this roster because we needed to sign Bogut because we needed big man center depth um, and size. And is he going to sign? Like, well, would Dwayne Wade sign to be a bench player on a twenty-five win team? You know, like it doesn't really make sense on both ends. Um, and so I think, I, I think, uh, I think it's most likely he ends up in Cleveland, uh, and Miami would be my second. And I don't, I don't, I don't view the other teams as like uh, realistic, really. Yeah, I agree. I think at the end of the day, because the East is still pretty weak, and you know, a, a motivated LeBron is a scary thing with Kyrie kind of dissing him and saying, "Why?" you know, they had the interview with Kyrie where like, did you tell LeBron and notify him that you were leaving? He's like, nah. You know, I mean, I, I just I just feel like a motivated <laughs> LeBron this year is going to be so scary to watch. And if D-Wade wants to... You see to- how many times LeBron called Kyrie the kid today? <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Yeah, I think it was like 30 times. It was pretty funny. I will say it would be hilarious if LeBron had to start with Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade. And yeah, like, dude. this dude has played his entire career with four shooters on the court at all times, except for like his first few years where his team sucked. Every other season, he's always had like three or four shooters on the court at all times. And if he's starting with two other people in the backcourt who can't shoot, plus the center, Tristan Thompson, like... That's, that's going to be really – he's going to have a really, really rough time if that ends Kevin up Kevin Love is going to be licking his chops. That's for sure. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I guess in a sense though he's done it with Wade before and Love is a better Bosch in terms of spacing. So, I mean it'll be interesting and obviously Wade is not the player he once was. But I do give Wade going to the Cavs as the number one. By the way, that's a plus 600 in Vegas. So not bad odds um, if you want to put in some money on Wade going to Cleveland. I have OKC going number two even though it is convoluted and it will probably – probably be really wacky a chemistry scenario because at that point I guess it would be Westbrook at the one Wade at the two Paul George at the three Mello at the I, I mean that's that's an insane <laughs> that's just, just, so weird. just on paper that's that sounds like such roster, an insane dude. insane lineup for sure that's definitely a 2k kind of lineup but like I don't know how you share the ball 2K roster. yeah I don't know how, <laughs> how those guys are going to share the ball at a, like like Wade would be averaging 
12 points or something? I, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, it wouldn't, doesn't make sense. I think the only reason why I put OKC up there is because I guess there's this Paul George and Wade have like a strong bond or whatever. But at this at this time Hood, of the season. Hoodie Mello wants him too. Yeah, Hoodie, Hoodie Mello was like, is it tampering if I say his name? And they're like, nah, he got bought out. He's he's free. He's like, oh, he's free right now? He's like, all right, man, you know where you belong then. Wink, <laughs> wink, 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 Magic Johnson, wink. Right, because these guys all have really close relationships from Team USA, and Paul George and Wade apparently have a really close banana bond. Boat. Banana boat, too. So, I mean, we'll see. I put OKC second, and then third Miami, just because he might want to end his career there, potentially. But I don't think they're in any position to really win. Then again, they have Spolstra. But, yeah. yeah. My only issue with Miami... Sorry, I was just going to say, my only issue with Miami is I think he might leave again, and I don't think he wants to leave Miami twice. Right. Um Maybe if the Spurs were are the Spurs, I thought I saw a report about the Spurs. That could be like an interesting option too. Yeah, they should. That'd be very interesting. All right. With that said, let's end with uh, LeBron James. Um, you know, LeBron James has been like during LeBron James. LeBron James has (laughs) been prodded by the media during the Cavs media day all day to divulge about his future. You know, two weeks ago or so. Chris Sheridan reported that LeBron James is 100% leaving for L.A. And LeBron's been checking out schools in L.A. for his kids. Hashtag stay woke. Uh, Do we have anything to say about LeBron James here? I just think out of anybody, you know, LeBron James has been particularly dodgy about everything. Even in his responses to stuff. I mean, it could be he's Super dodgy, dude. He could be trolling at the end of the day because he knows the the universe revolves around him and he just wants to kind of like lead people along. But at the end of the day, when people are asking him like, hey, what, what do you think about staying clean? He's just like... You know, you know my answer to that. I'm not going to answer anything. You know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, his answers have just been interesting. So, Tommy, what, what have you thought about LeBron James's status as a Cleveland Cavalier? We all also know that his relationship with Dan Gilbert is crap. It is shot right now. He does yeah. not like Dan Gilbert. Trump supporting Dan Gilbert. So that helps yeah. the, the Lakers cause. You guys know my answer to that. You, you know, guys you guys know my, know answer, my to answer to that. that. Exactly. That's what he said it to. So... Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron James is focused on this year for sure. He's going to do everything he can to win the championship one last time. But outside of that, man, he has definitely, you know, straddled on the line of I'm not committing to anything and I'm making that apparent. So, Tommy. I think LeBron is kind of viewing this season as an interesting, like, test for himself. You know what I mean? Like, LeBron has not been... uh Go ahead. Something was something was squeaking really loud. Sorry, <laughs> LeBron hasn't been. Uh, that was LeBron James leaving Cleveland, LeBron sneaking out, leaving, leaving Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, he quietly hasn't been, sneaking out the door. Exactly. Yeah, he hasn't been on um, a team where he was like the man. Well, he's been the man on every single team his entire career, but he hasn't been on a team where he was the only man for I don't know his third since his like third or fourth year in the NBA it's been a very long time so I kind of think he's viewing this year as an interesting like how far can I push myself type of season and what can I do just on my own kind of like the finals two years ago or like three uh I guess what the year that they they first lost to uh Golden State where everybody went down um kind of like that where it just became like a kind of fun personal challenge like how how hard can I push myself type of thing and so his responses were so funny to me today because I was just waiting for one like, 
oh, I'm a Cleveland Cavalier, and you know, we'll discuss my future later. He, like, there was nothing like that. He, he like every question was like, why would like to ask him? Are you going to stay here? Why would I think about that now? I can think about that next summer. Like he was being like shady in the yeah. weirdest way. Like he wasn't giving the normal, but, like comfortably shady. Like he wasn't giving the comfortably <laughs> shady answers. He was like making them a little bit, even like he was deviating from the script a little bit, and enough so to where I was like. This fool is just, like, one foot out the door. Like, I don't know necessarily if he's going to go to the Lakers. I think he's going to go to the Lakers um, for non-basketball reasons that we've discussed before. But I just – if I was a Cleveland Cavalier fan, I would just not be encouraged at all. And on top of that, maybe this was news. Everybody knew that this is old news, but – I is the first time I saw these reports were this morning that Isaiah Thomas is going to be out until like January, um, which is a really long time. And, you know, once he comes back, if you're out with an injury that like you've been dealing with this injury since, I don't know, May, whenever they got eliminated and it's now September and you're not going to play again until January. Like I'm not super, super confident that you're going to come in and just, kill it right away. First of all, you're going to have, there's going to be that adjustment period. There's a chemistry adjustment. There's a physical adjustment. And then there's always the fear that you get hurt again. Cause you've been out for this long. And it's like kind of a weird, like muscular injury is my impression. So it's not like really, it's something that they're not really sure how it's going to heal. So I don't know what's going to happen to Cleveland this year. And if things don't go well, and if LeBron starts to get frustrated, I, it's going to be really, really – I'm just going to get so excited. I'll, I, that's all I can say is I'm going to get really excited because it, I would at that point think he's going to for sure come here. But Yeah, definitely. Alan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I pretty much agree with all of that. Um, non-committal for sure. I mean, other players, when they're asked about things like this, will at least be like, I love this organization <laughs> and – this is where I want to be, you know, like that, that's not saying you want to be here forever. It's just saying you want to be here, period. Interpret, interpret that however you want. Like for Lakers media day, which, you know, we're going to get into, they asked Brooke Lopez and Contavious Caldwell Pope, like, do you want to be back here? And they're all like, yeah, I like this place is great. I really like it. But of course they're leaving the door open. Uh, when they asked Russell Westbrook, why haven't you signed your five-year extension? And he was like, well, I kind of have like a baby boy, man. Like I got a baby. I'm really busy. It's hard raising a kid. (laughs) Um, but I love Oklahoma city. Like this, I've always said, this is where I want to be now with him. You can put a little more weight on it. Like, yeah, I see Russell Westbrook staying, but even he wasn't like, I'm going to sign it tomorrow at 12 PM. Don't worry about it. it. It still let the door open in a way, but LeBron just doesn't say anything. He's like, man, don't ask me that question. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, that's extremely, uh, that's not reassuring whatsoever. So uh, as a Laker fan, yeah, it makes me feel great. And the Isaiah Thomas thing, like, that sucks because, you know, like, we like him as a player, obviously. We wanted him way back that one summer, well, whatever it was, like 2013-14. Um, yeah, it's super unfortunate that he's not going to be playing basketball f- until the winter. And like you said, Tommy, like, it's going to take him some time to, you know, reacclimate himself yeah. as an individual and then as a teammate of all these guys, and then it's the all-star break before you know it. So um, that's going to be super interesting with LeBron just kind of being like really like the guy. Um, I mean, Jay Crowder, like, yeah, it it helps like give him a little bit of depth defensively. um, But as far as like offensive firepower, it's going to be the LeBron show for sure. And 
Um, like you said, Tommy, it's going to be him trying to see how far he could take the team, put him on his back, and that's uh, definitely good news for us as Laker fans. I just had a random thought right now that is totally going off. This is nothing to do with what we were talking about. I mean, loosely (laughs) related, but I just got this weird idea that, like, what if – because we've been talking about, like, oh, is Paul George going to leave? Is Westbrook going to leave? Like, there's all these weird free agent scenarios, and we – because we're Laker-centric and this is a Lakers show, like, obviously we think everybody's going to come to the Lakers, but – I'm wondering, and like Palenka kind of alluded to this during the his press conference today. Um, we have these two max slots. We could use them on two max players, or we can split them between multiple players. And part of me is wondering: could there be a scenario where, like Paul George and Westbrook, just actually end up just staying together or something, and then? we end up getting LeBron and LeBron forms like a weird old school super team with along with the Lakers current young guys to try mm. as like, as like a way to be like the old school trying to beat the quote unquote new school warriors. So he puts together a team of like himself, Dwayne Wade and Carmelo <laughs> and Dwayne Wade and Carmelo. I thought kind about of this like, before too, actually dude, like Dwayne Wade and Carmelo <laughs> both kind of split some of the open space so that we can also still sign Randall. And then we end up with, you know, like basically a team that amounts to like Lonzo Ingram, Randall as our three young guys that we like three main young guys that we keep. And then, LeBron, Wade, and Mello. Obviously, some of these guys would have to come off the bench for this to work. Um, but, like, as if to say, like, oh, like, we're still here. Like, we're the old generation. Still relevant. We're still relevant and we can beat the Warriors. You know what I mean? Like, that type of thing. I, like, I, I know that sounds crazy. and I literally just thought of it now. But I don't know. Like, that could that could be a thing. I, I just got thinking about it because we, we've always – we keep approaching this uh, – two max spot thing of like, Oh, we're going to get LeBron. Who's the other max going to be, but I'm trying to also consider alternatives where we just get LeBron and he just chooses the Lakers because of, you know, like non-basketball reasons, like we keep saying. And, you know, for whatever reason, Paul George or Westbrook, or, you know, they just decide they want to stay together, but like Mello exercises his early termination. Cause I feel like that fool his entire life, all he's wanted to do is play with LeBron. So, you know, I don't know, maybe he exercises it. He takes like an ETO and him and Wade and LeBron all come live in LA together and, and try that for like a couple of years to see if they can beat the Warriors. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it would, if something like that did happen, maybe it would give us more flexibility to hold on to guys like Randall and Brooke Lopez or, you know, something like that, have a more balanced team. No, that is a very interesting uh, OG versus new school scenario, like a half and half OG with some new young parts as well. Uh, last yeah. thought on this, because we got to move on to the, the Lakers media day stuff. Uh, Cause that's what the show is about. But, Along those lines of, like, another angle, what if it the angle is literally, like, LeBron wants to still keep doing the old-school mentality of how to win in terms of being the man, but being the man in a better situation where, okay, he's the one guy that comes to the Lakers, and then they use the rest of the money for more complementary pieces where there isn't an apparent max guy. Do you know what I mean? Because right now he's has he has yeah. the experiment in Cleveland, but I think the Lakers are better suited and set up to actually 
implement that plan. Like Cleveland right now has a ragtag group of trying to set LeBron up to be that one superstar leading a championship team kind of thing. But with the Lakers, they'd have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and they could re-sign Julius Randle. Brooke Lopez might re-sign for cheap with a qualifying yeah. offer. And then you'll know, you use the rest of the $20 million, $25 million left, or actually $30 million at this point, um, to sign actual complementary pieces that LeBron handpicks. You know, like, give me this shooter, give me that shooter. We'll figure out what to do trade-wise later. But I want to be the main man. I don't, I don't need James another... James Jones, give me Mike Miller. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, like, don't give me, don't give me a second Max guy because I don't need it. I'm going to do it, you know? I could kind of see that too, dude. And that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe it ends up, maybe Melo is like too much because that guy, I think, I think he still thinks he's worth like 20 million a year. But I could see a situation where, like you said, they sign LeBron and instead of using that second whole spot on just one guy, they use some on Randall. They use some on Brooke Lopez so they can keep a stretch five because if you're going to get LeBron and you have Lonzo on the same team, you're going to, not that those guys can't shoot. They can shoot, especially Lonzo, pretty well. But you're still going to want to have floor, spa- floor spacers. So you get you get that type of dude. And then, you know, maybe throw a little of that money at Wade, you know, who's going to, like, literally at that point probably be in, like, his last year. So he might be willing to take a pay cut. And after all that, maybe you do ha- – I, I, I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating and this is, like, I'm spending too much money at this point. But you see what I'm trying to say. Like, it's basically what you said. It's just, like, keep kind of the guys that we have – some of the guys that we have this year, especially – especially if they develop chemistry, um, uh, which is going to be the big thing. Because if this year just ends up being a huge flop, you know, we're, we're a Lakers uh, show, so we're optimistic. But if it ends up being a huge flop, then the whole team is going to be gutted like we, we, we initially expected. So Yeah, So, but we know it's not going to be a flop because as we saw in the Lakers media day today, start of training camp, everything looks lit AF. <laughs> Trying to change my mentality, kind of something that all of us young guys did, especially the ones that uh, been here for a little while now, Brandon, uh, Julius, and, and Larry. You know, I feel like we all changed our mindsets in terms of what we want to do and, um, you know, be ready for this year. What do you mean by change the mindset? Maybe more of a group effort? Uh, definitely that. And then even taking this uh, the whole NBA career, life NBA, like putting in that work. So, Lakers Media Day, let's talk about that and just like all the good vibes surrounding the Lakers, how good everybody looks, how good Larry Nance's shoulders look, as Palinka kept reiterating. Bill Burtka came out a couple weeks ago just saying, out of all my years, and Bill Burtka's like 500 years old, <laughs> out of all my years of coaching basketball, <laughs> this group of young guys, I've never seen such a young group work as hard as these guys. You know, they've been talking about how Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, they've been in the gym almost like 24-7, and Luke Walton has to close down the gym sometimes just to get these guys to do something else or go home. And just the competitive vibe and spirit and them just gaining chemistry and camaraderie so early on has just been super encouraging to see Brooke Lopez being jokey joke guy with Larry Nance and yeah just positive vibes all around I wasn't able to catch a lot of it since I just came from Portland but um Alan what were your sights and sounds and just thoughts of the overall day media wise for Lakers media day 2017-18 it's it was interesting because you know the last few years like we've had an, a huge amount of like new players, right? Like, like 
so many like young guys who just haven't been there before. So you had D'Angelo, you had Julius, you had Clarkson, Nance, etc. Where it felt like half the team was just guys who've never been in the NBA before. But it's starting to feel more like, okay, these guys have been here before. They've done it. They know the routine now. It's not like such a fresh feeling for everyone. And then you have a guy like Lonzo who, while his answers are not – like he doesn't expand very much – he seems like he's been there, done that. He's extremely comfortable too. So while they're extremely young, the the vibe was like, a fi- it seemed like a fairly like mature and experienced team. I don't know if you guys felt that while watching, but like I, I got a different feeling from the last couple years. Um, as far as like specific things that stood out to me, of course, um, Brandon Ingram looks really good physically. Like his shoulders look so much more broad. Back looks bigger, legs look thicker for sure. Um, he there were some reports saying that he grew to like six eleven plus. Um, and they asked Brandon today, like, is that true? And he's like, well, today is the first time I measured myself, and I'm still six foot nine. So there's <laughs> that, uh, which is like nothing for anyone to be disappointed about. Although I feel like some people will be. Um, he looks great though. He didn't say how much weight he has gained, but I mean, it, it definitely looks like a significant amount, and. Just so many guys beyond touching on how great Lonzo has been and how much guys love to play with him and how contagious, you know, the, the ball movement is and this and that. Brandon Ingram was like the one guy that everybody was saying, okay, this is his team too. And he's going to eat first. And Magic Johnson said himself, he's like, there's no more Lou Williams. There's no more Swaggy P. Like Brandon can take his shots whenever he wants. He's got that green light. And, um, Brandon himself, like he said, like, I'm going to be more vocal. I'm going to really assert my leadership. And uh, I want to be the guy that is held accountable and holds other people accountable as well. So he seems like he has matured uh, an incredible amount, like mentally and physically. Uh, Lonzo, again, like every single player on the team was basically asked, like, how's it like playing with Lonzo Ball? And everyone pretty much says the same thing. And I don't think like it's just rhetoric. Like they sincerely mean it. Like he has a extremely high basketball IQ and, um, they're all having, you know, dreams and like visions of just getting buckets, just like easy layups, uh, all from Lonzo. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited. I know usually we do a deep dive on literally every single player and like what they said in these interviews, but, um, those are the two guys that just stood out to me the most. Cool. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. Brandon Ingram, I saw a picture of him standing next to Luau Deng and they look almost identical in height. So you're right. I don't think he's 6'11". He may be a slightly taller than Luau Deng, but regardless, the most important thing is him becoming stronger. Obviously, Julius Randle looks cut AF. Oh my lord. He's eating the right way. Uh, he, he says he's going to be more controlled this season and all that stuff. So Tommy, what were some of your highlights from today? Uh, the big highlight was just watching Lonzo and how he handled everything. This dude acts like he's been here like seven times. It's insane. Like he was not fake. I mean, he never really seems nervous about anything, but he has just extremely, extremely intelligent answers. He has a very like almost bizarrely good, um, uh, self-awareness. He like understands who he is. He understands his strengths and his limitations. And, he also is really good at understanding those same things and his teammates. So 
I feel like this guy, this is going to sound dumb, but this is obviously the only thing I know at this point because I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K18 lately, but I feel like this guy is like one of these guys who's really smart, and I feel like he plays basketball almost like he knows every attribute of every teammate that he has. So he knows exactly, like you don't have to tell him what his teammates are good at. He knows if Zubats is good at catching it in the paint and finishing, like... Brooke Lopez can hit shots from here and here, but he can't really hit shots from here. He just has this weird, like, innate understanding of his teammates' skills and their personalities and how he his role fits in there. And that's, like, a really mature quality for a 35-year-old, let alone, like, a 19-year-old. So mm-hmm. I think that's that was, the, that was a really, really exciting thing to me. I think Brooke Lopez is, is going to be a really fun guy to watch this year just based on his answers. He's got, like, kind of an interesting voice that I can't put my finger on, like, what what it is. There was this guy I went to law school with, actually, whose voice sounds just like that. And I always wanted to tell him, you sound just like Brooke Lopez, but I didn't know if that was offensive, so I just didn't (laughs) say anything. Like, not that his voice sounds weird. Anyway, and then the last thing that was a highlight for me was Andrew Bogut has just, like, the best accent I've ever heard. Yeah, dude. It's so Australian. (laughs) It's just, like, perfect and he's just like a no nonsense type of guy who I think apparently Brooke is dealing with some back stuff. So maybe he'll be limited in preseason. Maybe he'll be limited in early season. And to me, not knowing that before the signing, like in hearing that today, uh, the signing of Bogut rather, it, it makes the signing seem like even that much smarter to me because I'm like, you don't want to go into the season being like, okay, Zubats, you're the guy. Like, go figure it out. You're our one center and the only guy behind you on the entire roster who's seven foot tall is Thomas Bryant, who's like a deer in headlights when he's on the court because he is so young and raw still. So Bogut is going to like soften the blow a lot in the beginning and like throughout the season if Brooke Lopez gets hurt from time to time, which, you know, he does sometimes. So He's not going to be softening the blow for other people when he's playing defense, though, that's for sure. I know, dude. And that was another thing that really excited me. Oh, yeah. And I guess the last thing, everybody, which, like, look, this has happened before, so I'm not going to get too excited about it. But everybody, like, that was, uh, everybody that was interviewed made a comment about how defense is the biggest priority by mm-hmm. far. And offense, like, look, we have to push the pace and blah, blah, blah. We know that, but we can't score 115 points and keep losing games. So. That was the thing that that was another thing that uh, was really interesting to me. But let's see again if they put their money where their mouth is. They've said stuff like that in the past, and and they haven't. But they're like everybody's been saying. I kind of feel this weird new energy just through the TV screen. Like I wasn't even there, obviously, but <laughs> just through the TV screen, you can feel. You do this. have a nice television, though. I do. So, it's I mean, great. That's got it's something 60, to do with it's it. Sixty-five inches. Thank you, Alan. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So just through the TV screen, I can I can kind of feel the energy coming from from that uh, gym. So hopefully it, it translates and and, uh, and everybody actually um, says what they're going to do this year. I think the encouraging part is they have put their money where their mouth is in as much as they can do in terms of looking as physically fit as they have. You know, like everybody. Oh yeah, everybody. That's very looked, true. It was amazing, dude. Zubats, we just saw that fool like four months ago in the summer league, and he doesn't even look like the same guy anymore. Yeah, it's pretty dude, he's got muscle tone. Yeah, everybody looks so cut. They really, really look like they're all ready to run. Just 
just how much they've been in the gym working out with each other. I mean, it started back in preseason, right, with like even Vander Blue trying to gain chemistry with Lonzo Ball and Lonzo Ball taking Vander Blue under his wing and working out with him like at 2.30 a.m. in the morning in a random gym. You know, like all that stuff from the summer has translated throughout, you know, the end of July, throughout August till now. And to finally have everybody back together in more structured basketball settings, I can only imagine what the coaching staff and everyone can do with that sort of like desire, passion and energy. And uh, uh, one of the things that stood out to me was, you know, Brandon Ingram just talk or like people talking about Brandon Ingram, right? And how vocal he's become and how he's he's not quiet at all anymore. And he's really taken that step up to be to becoming a leader um, maybe even maybe just as much as Lonzo Ball I know that was something he was he was saying as a rookie but as a rookie you can only do so much right but I think now Brandon Ingram knows well D'Angelo's gone shoot I'm really gonna t- I'm really gonna step up here actually be more vocal and actually prove myself and I think you know that boost he got from that one league at summer league game is apparent and I think he's taking that confidence from the latter half of last season and I think it's really translating now on the court and so I I hope he can live up to that 20 20 point per game thing. I'm not going to hold him accountable to that, but I'm encouraged by everything I've seen from what Brandon Ingram has said and to how his body actually looks and the, the work he's put in. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on what Rob Polinka said today about the team in general? Any interesting tidbits that you got out of that? Alan? Yeah, well, I know our uh, our little group chat was kind of discussing how our team has finally entered the 21st century how we have like a nutritionist who works for the team and kind of tells the guys what they should and shouldn't be eating. Like you would think that stuff would have been in place for quite some time now, but all that matters is that we have it now, I guess. And uh, there's also like the Laker app <laughs> that these guys have Wish. to keep them accountable 20. Yeah, exactly. Um, to keep them accountable 24 seven, just so they, they have some guidance. Like again, these guys are 19, 20, 21, etc. Um, a lot of them are like living on their own for the first time in their lives, like truly on their own. Um, so to have the team supporting them in that way is huge. And Rob Palinka definitely made a point to, uh, to mention that. So I thought that was really cool. Tommy, what about you? Yeah, those were, that was one big one. Um, and the other big one I was going to say was what you covered in the beginning with Birdka's comments. Um, they're, it just seems like Rob is put together and him and Magic, I'll give both credit. They put together like a very, very interesting team. I mean, if all these guys end up pro- progressing the way that we expect in terms of really it comes down to Randall and if Randall and Ingram have gotten significantly better and have actually, you know, not taken that just like incremental step, but have actually taken a significant leap, um, then this could be a really, really interesting season. I'm not going to come out here and say we're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I think it could go a lot better than I initially expected. Um, and part of that is just because I think we have the most balance that we've had. And so just Rob showing some awareness of of that balance that, that, that we've built here and like him understanding and like acknowledging we're horrible at like these things. These are the moves we made to like address those issues. It wasn't just like more of the same, like, Oh, we sucked at threes. So we told Julius Randall to go work really hard at threes. You know what I mean? It's like, no, we sucked at defense. So we got somebody or like we sucked at defense. So we told Jordan Clarkson, you better work hard at defense this summer. So it's like, no, we, we sucked at defense. So we got out, we went out and we signed KCP and Bogut. 
You know what I mean? It's like he even threw out the uh, rim protection percentile the Lakers were in last year. We were in the bottom yeah. percentile of whatever rim protection, and so yeah. we needed to address that. So, so that stuff is all like just showing. Again, all you want is for him to show awareness, and I feel like that was an issue of the old regime. Um, and the issue was like, okay, there was a lot of talk and no, when it came to the actions, it's like the actions didn't align with what they were really saying. It's like, oh, we need to get shooting. Let's go sign Carlos Boozer though. You know what I mean? It like, <laughs> like, so that's why it's nice to see, you know, it's like, I think I did make this comment on, on uh, one of our old shows, like back in the day, way back in the day. But I said, like, it's going to be funny to see, you know, Magic and Palenka. It must have been when they first got hired. Like, talking so much about culture and talking so much about like, we want to do A, B, C, D. Okay. It's, this is all great. It's great to say those things. Everybody wants to do those things. Are you going to put your money where your mouth is? If somebody who you've invested a lot into is not doing those things that you think should be done, are you going to put your money where your mouth is and, and get guys who do it? And I think for the Lakers, they've kind of shown that they are willing to do that. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a a good year, boys. (laughs) Yeah, boy. It sure is, fam. Um, so I think for me, how weird was it just seeing Andrew Bogan in a Lakers jersey? Just because the, the the virtue of which he was signed literally like last second in the week, and then you just see him come out in a Lakers jersey, and he's a big dude, Wait, you know? Number 66. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, y'all see how Puig is my favorite baseball player, so I'm going with 66. <laughs> he didn't say it. And he, he'd obviously say it in a in an Australian accent, but we can have you do that later. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, butcher it right now and ruin all my credibility. I thought Bogut coming in in a Lakers jersey was hilarious. Him and Brooks standing together, these two beefy-ass tall dudes, is is insane. One quick note on Bogut. I think some people were like, how come we got Bogut? Because I thought we were going to play Nance and Randall at the center spot. And, you know, I think they are going to get minutes at the center spot, but look, Given even if Brooke Lopez was healthy, Zubats and Thomas Bryant are not ready to be backup centers full time, and I think they just wanted a traditional rim protecting big ass big like Bogut to be there for Brooke Lopez as an actual backup. You know, I think Nance and Randall will probably get you know, maybe five minutes each at the center spot, five to eight minutes each, but that still leaves, you know, Brooke Lopez is only going to average 25 to 28 minutes, you know, so that leaves like a good 10 to 15 minutes for a real backup center like Bogut to take, you know, if he's healthy enough to do so. So I think that's why the Lakers signed Bogut, even though people initially people were like, whoa, there's such a huge glut. We have so many power forwards, we have so many centers, and we have power forwards who should be playing center at times. So I think that's one of the reasons why. Tommy, I don't know if you wanted to tack on to that but I, I think you pretty much said it when you said well Brooke Lopez is unhealthy right now and you know Bogut is cleared for contact cleared for activity and he should be able to you know at least give us on the nightly 15 minutes for how many games who knows but 15 minutes is what we need until Zubats is ready yeah and especially in a year like this where not that we I'm not going to go down the road of saying we were intentionally losing before but we were not incentivized to win you know what I mean? But this year, it doesn't matter. We actually are incentivized to win because we're trying to sign guys uh, and we want to look like a more attractive team and like what we're doing is working. Um, right. Because that's how you sign guys is you convince them what you're doing is working. So I, it makes sense. And it's like a win now move, which is weird because – and I think that was the most surprising thing when we actually made the move. It's like – and the same – sort of similar with KCP – 
the KCP almost a little bit flies under your radar because he's still also only like 24. Um, but signing a guy like Bogut to this team is to me is like a win now move because although Zubats is not ready, they could have easily thrown him out into the fire and be like, whatever, Brooke can give us Time 28. Yeah, Brooke can give us 28. Zubats can give us 10 or 10 or 12. And then either Nance or Randall can give us eight. You know what I mean? And that would have been very reasonable for like a rebuilding team in our situation. But to go out and get a guy like Bogut, it's first of all, it's going to push Zubats, who's only like 19 and 20 himself, to to work harder. And second of all, it gives you that insurance of having another guy you can go to to just raise that defensive energy, both in preseason and practices, practices during the season, um, but also actually like as a contributing player in games. Like Bogut might be out of shape. He might be recovering from injury. He might be a shadow of his former self. Oftentimes, older guys, you know, like veteran guys, especially for big men, they're just better. You know what I mean? And you can be a more skilled like player like Zubats is more skilled at this stage in their respective careers than Andrew Bogut is. But Bogut might just be a better player. And and uh, for that reason, it was, yeah, it was a really good signing. In, in hindsight, at the time, I really wasn't that excited about it. But the more I've thought about it, I've gotten more excited. I think also perception-wise, right? Bogut said that he wanted to come to the Lakers because of the vibe. Yeah, he and- could have gone to Boston. He could have gone to Cleveland. Yeah, he had other offers, and he could have waited, and he was just like, whatever, dude. It's like, we were a good enough team for... It's sad that it's come to Where this, he doesn't right? feel like it's a waste of time. Exactly, because in the past, the issue was we had the money, but teams were like... Teams were willing to wait despite our huge offer sitting on the table for teams or sorry, players were willing to wait for potentially worse offers just to avoid playing with us. You know what I mean? And that could have easily happened here. If we were that unattractive, Bogut would have just been like, whatever, dude, I'd rather just wait and see what Cleveland and Boston and these other teams do because I really don't want to get involved with that situation. I know it's a low threshold that we've, you know, or low hurdle to clear here, but we can at least say we've become like um, attractive enough to where we can offer a guy like this a minimum contract, partially guaranteed, and he still signs it. Right, and just those small perceptual changes will help in 2018. And obviously, Andrew Bogut, you know, played in Golden State with Luke Walton, so that helps his passing ability, his bone crushing screens for Lonzo Ball. That'll be great. That'll be amazing. And if he's actually healthy. You know, that could actually be a game changer for us to have him out there 15 minutes a night and really providing that defensive hard ass, hard knocks intensity. Um, one yeah. thing I wanted to add it to veteran presence wise, I mean, the guys have actually mentioned it themselves. We don't we actually don't have a lot of veterans in, in the in respects to veterans that, you know, the typical young player would actually respect. Tyler Ennis, Jordan Clarkson, and Julius Randle could technically be considered veterans, but it's pretty much Brooke Lopez, Luau Ding, Andrew Bogut, and Corey Brewer as the team's main vet, vet dudes. And given the fact that I think the Lakers are going to be pushing really hard to try and get out of Luau Ding's contract and trade him before the season ends, that takes off another veteran. So even just adding another veteran presence in Andrew Bogut, I think, is essential. And a veteran like Andrew Bogut, you know? So I think that helps. And do you guys know how old Andrew Bogut is? He's actually... He's younger than I thought. I thought this dude was like 35. He's 32. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, he's he's obviously gone through a lot of bumps and bruises, even at the start of his career. But 32 is is not bad. And I think one interesting thing is he's been off the radar for a really long time. But it's like 
his injury last year was a freak injury. It wasn't like an old man injury. It's just like he broke his leg. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Randall when he landed and his leg just broke. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like it was a it was a freak injury. I, I'm not saying he's the same player he was, but he was playing limited minutes for Dallas, and he's not really an offensive threat anymore. Although, like, look, even in his prime, prime, he was not like a go to offensive weapon. Um. But he can't. He doesn't really score anymore. But he still was getting a ton of rebounds in limited time for Dallas and protecting the rim. So if he can do that, we already know he can pass. He's not going to be an offensive liability because of his screens and passing, um, and his ability to handle the ball and catch. You know, so it's, this is not like Kwame Brown we signed. So um, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what Bogut can do. And yeah, the veteran leadership, like you mentioned, is just like it's is like icing. For sure. All right. So let's kind of hit upon some smaller topics really quickly before we end the show. Um, Alan, what did you think about Jordan Clark or Palinka mentioning Jordan Clarkson will have a major, major role this season, even though we're like, I think this is the guy that's going to get traded. Was he just saying that in terms of, yeah, he'll have a major role because we're going to need to pump up his trade value? Or is he sincere about that until they absolutely have to find a partner, a trade partner well, destination I, for him? I, I think he means it because, I mean, he said, like, I really want this guy to be the sixth man of the year. And um, it's very clear that Jordan Clarkson is coming off the bench this year, whereas last year it came as a shock during the preseason um, that he was not going to be a starter. So I, I do think he's sincere. And, I mean, we don't know for sure that he's going to get traded. Of course, it's not a guarantee. So you're going to speak in a more affirming way of a guy. And there's no reason for Jordan Clarkson not to improve here in his fourth year on this team. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think he means it and a guy can have a big year and very well get traded as well. Like you, you could take that as a compliment. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I the way I read into it is definitely more, uh, on the positive side of things. Tommy, what about you? And then also, if you want to touch upon questions about Julius Randall's extension and if, if you think now that the, the vibe is shifting in terms of, you know, er, earlier we thought it's just purely a numbers game. Um, in order to get that two max slot thing going on, we're going to have to trade Randall and Clarkson or at the very least get rid of Dang for nothing. Maybe Nance has to go out as a sweetener, stuff like that. What do you think about that and the way that Palinka has kind of not backed off the two max plan thing, but opened the door to we'll get there when we get there, but we know we can make it happen if need be. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Definitely. Um, it's funny because I feel like this is the first time since the tampering uh, where everyone has been together like this. And the way that Magic and Palinka seem from the very, or like seemed even from the very beginning to want to run this organization is like a business, you know what I mean? And part of your business is like marketing yourself. And so like marketing yourself, it's like, okay, this bad stuff got out about us, about like how we're all focused on 2018 and we're going to trade everybody and we're going to sign two maxes. And not only that, but it's already in place and everybody knows, and now we're getting in trouble for tampering. So like the company line, let's just make the company line. We're here to get as good as possible. And yeah, it's not out of the question that we're going to use the money to just sign our own players because we don't know who's coming. So I just feel like it, he's just trying to set his own narrative instead of letting the media set it. Right. Because um, the media was kind of running away with this whole 
oh, the Lakers are clearly going to get two maxes and clearly it's going to be LeBron and Paul George because they're two max caliber players and clearly, you know, so it's just like, no, like you're not going to tell me what's clear. Like I'm going to tell you this is the situation and, and this is how we see things going. Um, and uh, I can't remember what your first question was. Sorry. Oh, any thoughts on, you know, JC and Julius Randle potentially staying on and, you know, this is a big right. year for Julius Randle. Well, it's a big year for both of them. And actually, one thing that I wanted to say at the beginning that I forgot that I'm glad you reminded me right now, the int- one of the most interesting comments of the entire press conference to me was just a minor, like, two-sentence thing that Jordan Clarkson said. I can't remember who was – I think Bresnahan was interviewing him. Yeah, it was Brez. Okay. And he and they, they talked about, like, the off-season work. And JC, besides the young guys, specifically flagged the older veterans like himself, Randall, and Nance – and he said the three of us all kind of talk this summer. And it's basically what he said was he didn't say it in a way that sounded bad, but in a positive way, he kind of said, like, we kind of got together and talked about what do we want this basketball thing to be? Do we want it to just be a career? Do we want to just be like players in the NBA or do we want to be the best? You know what I mean? And not to and like he did in no way suggested that they weren't working hard before. But almost to suggest that, like, look, we were, it's not to say we weren't working hard before, we were working hard before, but now we've under, we've kind of all talked together and realized this is not just going to be like a thing we do to like make a lot of money and have fun. This is like a thing we're going to take seriously, um, like more seriously than we ever have and more seriously than we thought we would need to when we got into this situation in the first place. And I don't know, maybe I'm like extrapolating way too much, but no, very possible. But that's kind of what I got from that just like little subtle statement. And if he, again, it, it comes down to, can you put your money where your mouth is? And to me, that was like subtle and subconscious enough that I, he, it's like, he didn't say we all talked about how we're going to be the best. Now he kind of said it in a subtle way as if he was like thinking about it. But it was like so honest he didn't even want to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. if he puts his money if yeah. he puts his money where his mouth is and he actually comes through and Julius actually comes through and these guys take significant leaps, even more of a reason that we just do the thing, Jonathan, that you said earlier, which is keep get LeBron to be our man and then just keep all these young guys that we actually have developed and have become real players over the years. Um, so they'll all have that chemistry together, which will only help our chances of like taking, having LeBron take us to the next level. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, they're like at the quarter point of their careers, you know, they're four years in. And if they're very fortunate, they'll get to 16 years in the NBA. And I do think just like how we have like a quarter life crisis, like it's time to really evaluate uh, where you're at, where you've been and where you want to be. Yeah, it's awesome. It is lit. He even said lit. He said, yeah, man, the NBA is dope. Is lit. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Well, he said the NBA offseason, but either way, he said it. It's it's all going to be lit pretty soon, and that I mean that's those are really encouraging words to hear from JC of all people, right? Um, and it's good that they're keeping that in mind. Um, I guess lastly, uh, just to have a little fun, who do we think is the funniest on the team now? Now that Meta World Peace is gone, is Brooke Lopez seems like a jolly kind of guy. Is he going to encroach upon this Larry Nance Zubat's best friendship? Are, are Nance and and Brooke Lopez all of a sudden going to become the stepbrothers? Because now it kind of seems natural, record. you know what I mean? Yeah, what do you think, Alan? I, I do think Brooke Lopez is really funny. Uh, I would look forward to his interviews for sure. 
Uh, I feel like he wants to get in on that uh, that Nance and Zubot's little family, so they could always adopt him, you know. As sure, uh, they could be. Well, I was gonna say they could be like his his son, but he's way older than both of them, so that doesn't even make sense. But it doesn't matter. Uh, they could just all be brothers together, and um, I'm I'm down for that. I think Lucina <laughs> KCP is. I mean, he's extremely uncomfortable in interviews, and he just seems <laughs> Dude, super super he shy. Is so awkward. <laughs> like it it's blew totally my mind. like I felt like I was watching myself give an interview. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself more credit than that, but um, he he just seems like like a really nice guy, and he's uncomfortable seems when he's like in the spotlight guy, like yeah. this, and um, it's endearing in a way, though. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I feel badly for him, but at the same time, I look forward to listening to him. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, I just think that's so interesting because you would it's think like that he painful. would just give like the scripted thing and get over it, but it, it's not that at all. Yeah, it's painful. He finds a way to fudge up the scripted thing, right? Um, yep. <laughs> can I give my answer on the funniest? Yeah. The funniest is going to be Andrew Bogut because his accent <laughs> oh, is just, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and he's just like, he kind of also seems like he could be an asshole, but like in a funny way. So oh, I think, totally. I think it's going to be him. And I think it's just that Australian vibe. You know, Australians are very blunt. They say it how it is. I was kind of like Hugh Jackman, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it how, how exactly, it is. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's funny that the big guys are the funniest, right? Just, just seeing Zubats, Brooke Lopez, Andrew Bogut. Um, just yeah. put them in, put them in well, a room all, yeah. and Nance. I mean, it's that, that group is just <laughs> they're weird. Funny, and it's interesting because they're funny in their own ways. Like Brooke Lopez kind of seems like a nerd funny. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like he seems like kind of, and maybe it's the Stanford thing, but he seems like kind of intellectual and also like funny in a nerdy way. And then he's the new Pau Gasol. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, Andrew Bogut is just like the like the straight funniest guy, okay? Yep, and then yep. Zubats is funny in like his foreign way, you know what I mean? He's got like <laughs> this weird accent. It, and he <laughs> says weird stuff because he totally he doesn't totally understand the culture, but so like they're all kind of funny in their own ways and it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah, in complete light skin takeover up at, up top as well. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad thing, not a bad thing though. All right, I think that'll do it for us unless anybody else has any last uh media day things to throw out there anybody no we good no i'm good we excited for saturday dude preseason it's this saturday here we go real nba basketball let's do this get on your saddle boys and strap up let's go (laughs) 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 all right i think we'll we'll leave it right there strap on your saddle strap on your saddle let's go it's lit (laughs) Hashtag Larry Nance's shoulders. They did look good indeed, Rob Palinka. Uh, with that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many more times Rob Palinka will talk about Larry Nance's shoulders. All right, Brooke Lopez, take us out. All right, guys, uh, you know, really looking forward to the season. And, um, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to be sunning Zubots, and sunning is like a thing now. Uh, don't let the Stanford degree fool you. Go Lakers. <laughs> Go Lakers, indeed. Alan, I will catch you later. Peace. Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. Peace.
is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 